Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Great to see you guys here for worship. We've been looking at some of the practices uh, that, that have been guiding the ways that we aim to relate to one another as a church. Uh, in this message series. So it's called Proven Playbook. And ju- just like a sports team has their go-to plays, the, the plays that they practice over and drill over and over, they've got their playbook and they've got their go-to plays. Uh, we as a church have some practices that we keep going back to and, and trying to apply to the way that we relate to one another uh, because we really care about how healthy we are as a group and we want to see us be as effective towards the mission that we can as a church. And so, so far we've looked at the first two crucial practices that, and so here they are. These are the last couple of weeks. But the goals and interests of, of others above my own. That's a practice we aim to uh, live out here. We aim to, to do this in the way that we relate. It's, it's basically, I sacrifice or we sacrifice for other people. That's, that's the practice here is we, we lay down our needs and put others' needs ahead of our own. And that creates a certain kind of culture. Uh, that, that grows out of uh, uh, an that that statement really is a summary of a very important concept that you find in the New Testament. And so, second week, we looked at this uh, heart attitude uh, practices, live an honest, open life before others. This comes out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 25. We looked at that last week, and we talked about the importance of, of this concept. Now, this is not just found in one place in the Bible. This idea is re- referred to over and over and over again, the issue of truth and, and moving out of the darkness and bringing our life into the truth, being known by people. And so, if you missed either of those first two messages, uh, they really began to lay a framework for this series and for the way that we aim to relate as, as uh, Christ followers and as a church. Uh, those are on our website. They're also on our podcast. So uh, these practices, they help us line up our lives with Jesus and his ways of living. And that's why we aim to do that, is we want to line up our lives to his way of living. Now, this third practice is crucial for authentic relationships. And here's the third practice from our playbook. It's to give and receive scriptural correction. Give and receive scriptural correction. So by scripture, the Bible. Give and receive correction from the Bible uh, as we share that with one another. Uh, this, now this practice gets our attention. Okay, And some, if somebody corrects you, that gets your attention. It actually really it jolts us when we experience correction by other people. It, it's kind of a... Sh- it can feel like a shocking experience. The reason why it's shocking is, is because of what it's protecting us from. Uh, when we wander off too far the path in life and we get off track, we find ourselves oftentimes in pretty dangerous and potentially very damaging situations in life. And because of that, correction comes oftentimes at just a key time to prevent us from experiencing the pain of where that path will lead us. We get off track. And so correction needs to play a corrective role, a protective role in our lives. Now, take a look at this quarterback. This guy, I believe it's Tom Brady, he's running with the football. Now, he's scrambling because these defensive linemen are closing in on him. And that ain't going to be pretty. And in case you're not a football person at all, uh, they're not playing tag out there, okay? Tag, you're it. No, you're it. No, you're it. Now, who has played two-hand touch football before? Just show a hand. Two-hand touch football. 
Okay, good good amount of you have played that. I've played that. I grew up, you know, playing that at the park. And it, here's a picture of some two hand touch football. Okay, now in two hand touch football, the play ends. You're running with the ball. The play ends when a, a player from the opposing team tags you with two hands, not one hand. You know, we had rules about how you can do it, and, and but you know, two hands at the same time. Okay, and that stops the movement of the ball. The play, uh, a new play starts from there, and so. It just looks like a lot of fun, though. Look at their expressions, if you can see it from the back. They're smiling, right? They're smiling, even the guy in the back. And it's just a lot of fun. We're playing football, two-hand touch. I got you. But, okay, I think I lost, okay, I'm good. Thought I lost power. But in tackle football, it's a lot more intense. And you can get quite injured with someone... Uh, from someone from the opposite team. When they lay a hit on you and tackle football that you didn't see coming, and sometimes you have a moment to brace yourself for the hit. Other times you didn't see it coming at all. You just think you're, you're gonna score and then boom, you get laid out. And correction can function like a defender helping you, blocking for you, preventing the most damaging hits. You know, we've got a video clip here of some of the most painful hits from from the NFL. And so, brace yourself for some of these hits because this is what correction can prevent in your life. The guys are going to like this video a lot more than the gals, more than likely. So... So there's a difference. The, the guys are like, more, more, more. The, and the gals are like, there's a handful of gals are like this. And these guys are warriors out there. They, they actually live to lay those hits on or to get up after those hits. I mean, some of those guys are going to hurt for weeks. Some, you know, some of those hits can lay a person out for a season. I mean, they, you don't see those guys running down the field with a smile on their face like two-hand touch. You know? Boom. No, I mean, you're serious because you don't want to get laid out like that. Now, here's another clip where the player with the ball is breaking tackles. No one can bring them down. Sometimes this is what happens is the guy with the ball, he's just able to, to move around and maneuver and lay hits on people. And so watch this.
Now, we're tempted in life to think that we can avoid all the hits and avoid all the damage. We think we're like that second clip in life. We get off the path and we just think, man, I'm just going to juke and I'm going to jive and I'm going to move and I'm going to stiff arm all the obstacles out of my way and I'm just going to do what I want to do and and nothing's going to slow me down. But sometimes we wander so far off of God's path and a hit comes and just boom. Boom, there's what I was hoping for. And it's just, the hits lay us out on the field of life and some people don't, they're not able to get back up. And so we need this practice. Here it is again. We need this practice. Give and receive scriptural correction. We need this because in life we all have some blind spots. There's areas of our lives that other people see about us that we don't even see about ourselves, but others do. Others that get close to us and know us can see they're heading off course. I need to say something before they, they get themselves hurt and hit in life. We need this. And so we aim to practice this here. But here's the thing about correction. No one likes it. No one likes correction these days. In our society, about the only time we experience correction and we yield to correction is when you get pulled over by the police. That's about the only time, I think, in our society where we yield to correction. They write us a ticket, or worse off, you get arrested and you go, okay, you're right. I'm going to get in line. I need to change this behavior. But for the most part, in our society, we just don't yield to correction. So this practice within the church, it, it throws like a red flag for like, whoa, whoa, you can't talk. You can't correct me. You can't, you can't give me that kind of input. Because in our society, it's so foreign. Teachers are afraid to correct students these days. Because mama bear might come and talk to the teacher. <laughs> Bosses are afraid to correct employees these days because, why? Lawsuits. <laughs> they don't want to get sued, right? And so it goes like this. The boss says, you know what? You're, you're, this is unacceptable behavior. We're done. You're fired. Oh, oh, oh really? I, I'm fired? You can't fire me. Man, I quit. We, we don't take correction these days, right? It's, it's, what gives you the right to do that? What gives you the right to speak into my life like that? Correction is nearly a foreign concept in our society. But in the Bible, we learn that as Christ followers, this is actually a part of the way we're to, to relate to one another. We're to give and receive out of care for one another. Now, follow along on the listening guide. We, we build each other up. We're called to do this. We're called to build each other up. If you like, you can. there's a pen and a listening guide in your program. You can follow along. Now, this is a major concept. We build each other up. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. I'm going to show you just how much in the Bible deals with this issue of correction. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. One man, Paul, he's writing to this church in ancient Greece, and he's saying, this is to be the way you live. Just as, in fact, he says, you're doing this, building each other up. This was actually a part of the way they interacted. And as a result of their interaction, people were growing. Life was getting better for those that were receiving correction and not worse. We often think, man, if someone corrects me, my life is going to get worse because I don't like that experience. But actually, it's, it's for your good. It builds the group up. It builds individuals up. So how, how do you do that? One way is, to, is this. It's to encourage others forward. There's an aspect of correction that is very much encouraging. It's it's It's... When people come alongside us and say, hey, come on, 
Let's keep moving with the Lord. Come on. I know it's tough. I know you're having a rough time. I know life has been rocky, but come on. Let's, let's keep moving with the Lord. I know, you, I know you're struggling right now, but don't give up. Let's keep moving with the Lord. That's, that's the idea in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Look what it, what it says. Therefore, or, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good, and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, we all run out of energy in life. Again, with our spiritual life, we run out of steam and energy. And to know that people are considering how they can strengthen us through encouragement is so critical. That people say, hey, don't, don't give up. I want to encourage you to keep, uh, to keep pressing on in this area. Keep, keep getting to know God. Keep, keep on in your faith. Keep deepening your faith. Keep growing your prayer life. Don't, don't give up. We run out of energy and steam. And, and so we benefit deeply from the encouragement of others. Just people saying, hey, press on. I mean, who does that in our, in our society? You don't find a lot of people rooting for you. But within the body of Christ, within the church, we can actually play this role for one another. It's very powerful. Here's another aspect of building others up. We build others up as we bear with each other. Part of getting to know people in church life or small group settings is, is you get you, you rub shoulders and sometimes you ruffle each other's feathers. So Paul writes to this church, he, he writes, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Sure, you're going you're gonna to rub each other the wrong way. You're going to have a grievance against someone. You know when that happens, Paul writes, Bear with each other, forgive. be willing to forgive people. We need a lot of grace. We, we need to cut people a lot of slack because we ourselves have experienced a lot of grace by God in life. He's, he's been kind to us, merciful to us, and because of that, you know, Paul writes, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So when there's grievances, bear with each other. Cut each other some slack. Another part of this, and really in that context, when necessary, we do this. We, we give correction. This is an idea in Scripture. We're willing to give correction when it's needed. Proverbs 27, very interesting uh, picture here. Read this Old Testament verse. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. It's better to be rebuked than hidden love. If you love someone and you hide it, it's better off if you love someone to, to, to rebuke them. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. That's what it's like when you're corrected. It's like, they told me something really hard and it, it wounded me. It hurt. I'm wrestling with it, but I feel the pain of that correction. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. An enemy will just kind of butter you up in life. They'll flatter you. They'll kiss you, this verse is saying. They'll praise you. They'll tell you everything. You're so good. Man, you don't do anything wrong. Just keep going. They're buttering you up because they want you to keep going to take advantage of you. An enemy wants to maybe destroy you or see you go down. An enemy multiplies kisses, but a trusted friend gives correction. Those wounds from a friend can be trusted. Now, if truth is needed, a friend will tell you. That's the idea. We don't always like that because these, these are wounds. They do hurt. But it's really only a friend that will take the risk to actually tell you the truth. That's, that's a friend. They'll take the risk to tell you. Now, this is actually the role of pastors. Look at Titus 2.15. This is from one of the pastoral letters. One leader to a pastor, he writes this. And this is one of the roles I'm supposed to play. These, then, are the things you should teach. This is, uh, you know, a pastor has received this letter from 
giving him guidance on how to straighten out some things in the in the church on this island where he's pastoring. Paul says these these then are the things you should you should teach. He's already written about some issues, and he's talked about them in the letter. He's referring back to it, but then he says, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. What this is saying is that as a pastor, I have a responsibility before God towards people. And if I see people driving their lives towards a cliff or heading towards this huge hit, they're, they're about to just take on a painful hit, uh, I, I need to tell them. That's what this is saying. I need to tell them. And if they get mad at me, then that, that's just how it is. The reason is because if I let the reaction push me back from giving the, the truth, then I'm really being unfaithful to them as their pastor, as your pastor, and I'm also being unfaithful to the Lord. So it's a matter of faithfulness in my role. And this is a pastoral role that I don't, I don't enjoy particularly, but at times it's necessary. But it's not just my job. In fact, correction is also the role of, of church members. This is, this is one of the roles that you're to play in, in the lives of others that you know and that you've grown trust with. Look at this. This is from Colossians 3, verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. This is actually, the word you is plural in the Greek. So it's, it's let the word of Christ, let God's word dwell in you richly as you teach one another and admonish one another with all wisdom. And he hears, you, as a group, you need to be getting into the Bible for yourself. My job is to teach, it's to instruct out of the Scripture, but you also have been giving the same instructions on this. You're to do this. As you grow, as your faith increases and as you grow and start taking steps forward, then you have a responsibility to begin to teach one another and to begin to admonish one another. That word admonish is not one that we often use. It just, it just simply means to warn. We warn one another. That's correction. You have a role to play in the body in warning others. It's not just my job as the pastor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring people that I know need correction. No, it's, 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 you know, I hope the pastor says it today and really gives it to him. No, it's actually, it's actually a role we play in the lives of one another. Admonishment. If people are driving towards a cliff, you warn them. Why do you do that? Well, because you just like to warn people in life. No, that's not why, right? I'm just one of those guys who likes to warn everybody. No. You warn them because you genuinely care about them and you don't want to see them head over that edge. In Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Does he mean that Christ followers can actually do that? That Christ followers could still have an evil and a sinful, unbelieving heart? Yeah. And because of that, Verse 13, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sometimes things happen to us that really, really hurt us in life. We, we experience a, a, a fair amount of hurt and disappointment in life. And sometimes in our hurt, we get a little angry and we, we get a little angry even at God and we begin to pull back and withdraw from God. And our heart starts kind of hardening and, and being being lied to. There's this sinful, deceitful aspect of our lives. We start pulling ourselves back in isolation. And it's from that point that you begin to hear a little voice that whispers lies. And the lie is this. It's, hey, you know what? You serve a lot. You sure are a good person. You, you give out your life a lot. You, you, you're generous. You're giving. You're loving. But you know what? Right now in your life, 
you're getting a pretty raw deal. It's not going very good for you. You're not getting much good out of life. And, and you should be because you're such a servant. You're doing all the right things. And then the lie continues. Why don't you just enjoy yourself? Just follow your desires. I mean, that's the lie. Is You deserve more than you're getting in life. And so, you know, God's He must not care. So just enjoy yourself. And we begin to wrestle with this idea of enjoying temptation that lies just outside of God's boundary line. And so what we do is we wander off the path and we get out on the edge of thin ice where it's really dangerous. And just beyond the thin ice is a real, real danger with long-lasting consequences. And the longer we play out there on the thin ice, the longer we become dull of what's actually happening in our minds and in our hearts. And we start to be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And if we fall through the ice, we're damaged. We damage ourselves, we damage others. Now, now how do you avoid that? The way you avoid it is you run with a group of people who will watch your back. You don't isolate yourself from, from others. You, if you're trying to follow Christ, you pull into the church community along with others that are trying to follow God and you, 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 you give and receive correction. You allow people to tell you the truth when you need to hear it. And here's something else to keep in mind. A phrase that we like to use here is, every member has a whistle. Can you imagine if on the football field every member had a whistle? <laughs> how chaotic that would be. You know, people are calling plays on each other. No, that's not how it works. On the, on the field or on the court, it's just the umpire, just the referee that has the whistle. They can, they can stop the play. They can call the fouls. But in, in church life, actually, every member has a whistle. If things go out of bounds scripturally, you can blow the whistle, whether on me as your pastor, whether on another staff member, whether uh, you blow the whistle on another pastor or a fellow member of our church. You need to do it respectfully. Maybe it's someone older than you. Maybe it's somebody younger, younger than you. You need to do it respectfully. But everyone has the ability to, to give correction. Everyone has a whistle to say, you're heading out of bounds. And I just, I, I care about you. I want you to know. I'm concerned. Now, let's look at this and we're going to walk through this rather quickly. Correction is valuable. It's valuable. It is, actually, it's the way to life. It's the way to have your life saved. Look at Proverbs 6, verse 23. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way to life. Basically, if, if you're about to fly over the cliff and someone tells you, Stop! Going over, going over, going over a cliff. If someone tells you they have actually just saved your life, they saved you. It's the way to life. Also, it's the door to understanding and honor. Scripture says this. This is this is where life begins to come together. You begin to understand how reality really works. Look at Proverbs fifteen thirty one and thirty two. He who listens to a life giving rebuke, rebuke is a correction, will be at home among the wise. You want to grow wise? Get used to receiving rebuke input. He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. You know, we all have our own ways of thinking, and whenever our own ways of thinking are out of line with how life really works and someone tells us, man, your life, that's not how life works. That's not how God's Word says life ought to work. That's not, that's not what God says. Whenever someone does that, we actually get a clearer picture of, of how reality works. And we grow from that point. It's the way to understand. It's the way to honor. It's also a beautifying gift. 
a beautifying gift, things that are given to you, like if someone gave you a solid gold gift, some jewelry or something, you really appreciate that. It makes you more attractive. It, it, it's a beautifying. It draws people, oh, that's, that's nice. Oh, where'd you get that? That's, that's nice. Now look at that. In, in line with that idea, look at Proverbs twenty five twelve. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. It's an interesting proverb here. Jewelry is something that, you know, again, it makes you look more attractive. And so in that way, correction, it's a beautifying thing. It's for your good. Yeah, it stings when someone corrects you. Sure, it stings, but it's valuable. You need this. Now, how how do I give it? Here's some guidance. These will actually work. And so these will help you out. If you're trying to figure out how does correction work, which if that's new, even this idea and this, if church is new and this idea which, by the way, this, this section will help you understand how we aim to operate with giving and receiving correction here. Because this idea can scare you. And you might be thinking, I'm not, I don't want to go there. They're just going to hammer me constantly. But here's what we need. What we really need is this. 90% encouragement to 10% correction. 90% encouragement. Some people just really love correcting others. <laughs> They're the correction police. Like They wear the badge. It's like, man, it's just nothing but correction. But you know what? You need to be an encourager also. You need to be 90% encouragement to 10% correction. And if there's, if there's someone that you know that you need to correct, you need to consider, have I given any encouragement? Now, if they're about to fly off the cliff, then say something. Even if you haven't encouraged enough, say something. Save their, save their life, save them the pain. But, but if you're just feeling the need that they're, that they need, you know, some correction, then consider. And I got some encouraging to go. I got seven, eight. I got to keep encouraging this person because there needs to be needs to be bathed in encouragement. It's like my kid's soccer coach just told the parents a couple like about a week ago. Coach pulls us all together and says, "Okay, parents, now listen carefully. You cheer. I coach." It's like she's like, "Say say it again. You cheer. I coach." You know, because the parents all want to, you know, coach from the sidelines. No, I'm guilty of that, you know. Most of us need to focus more on offering specific encouragement before just charging off into the correction. First thing, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15. We looked at this last week. It says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. So before you correct, make sure you have the facts. Make sure what you're sharing is actually true. Get clear on the truth. And do this out of love. This really needs to be for their good. It's truth in love. Also, pray over it. Pray over the matter. If I feel like I, I, I need to correct, then I might pray, God, would you send someone else? <laughs> Please. <laughs> would you send anybody else to tell them that? Uh, Lord, let it be someone else, not me. And if someone else does, man, I'm relieved. They come to me and say, you, you won't believe it. Somebody told me that I was, you know, hard to get along with. Or just, I'm, I'm, oh, you don't say, you know. Well, what do you think? Well, I, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. You know, to pray that God send someone else. But you know what? If they're heading for a cliff and no one has corrected them, be faithful to them. Be faithful. Also, correct based on Scripture. Not just your own personal preference. You know, the way... People dress, their speech, their music. Their, you don't, don't get nitpicky on this issue. Whatever the issue, make sure it's a violation of the Bible, a principle in the Bible. Not just your strong opinion. 
Sometimes we get corrective on strong opinions and not the right issue. So this is correction from Scripture. Give and receive scriptural correction. Also, correct based on a pattern. Everyone makes mistakes, and so you don't need to carry your hammer around and just like whack-a-mole. Correct, correct, correct. Every little thing. No, look for a pattern. Be sure that's there. Unless, again, someone's heading over the cliff or they're on the edge, then say something. Also, think through your words in advance. You know, use gracious words. You might present what you think you see and then get their feedback. I think I've observed this, or it, it seems to me that this is happening, and I just wanted to bring this up. I want to talk to you about it. I'm, I'm concerned. But heads up, when it comes to correction, this is always almost always true. Be prepared for anger and rejection. If you correct someone... If, if people take offense, you could say something like this. You know what, friend? I didn't, I didn't want to hurt you. I just wanted to be loyal to you. And that's why I brought it up. I want to be loyal as a friend. I care. But be prepared for the reaction. Be prepared for the anger. Now, how do I receive correction? You've got to understand that rebuke and correction always sting. Even the gentlest corrections sting. So the first thing is this. It's control yourself. Humble yourself. Usually when it comes, our blood starts boiling. We're going to keep walking through this. Our worship team is going to join me up here on the stage. But if correction begins, you recognize, oh, somebody, somebody's correcting me right now. All of a sudden, your blood starts boiling. You're thinking, oh, I'm going to, someone, this person's going to give it to me. They're going to talk to me. And we, we, we might start getting angry inside. And so the best thing you can do is settle yourself down and open your ears. Settle down and start listening or keep listening. Look at Proverbs 29.11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. That's the very first thing. Get control. And then don't demand nicer treatment. When someone corrects you, don't demand. Don't tell them how they should correct you. Sometimes we might think, you know, if you just said it in a nicer way, I'd listen to you. But you were so rough. But again, if you're headed for a cliff, and I don't say it right, and you keep driving, good luck. And so don't demand for nicer treatment. This is what Psalm 141 verse 5 says. Look at this. Let a righteous man strike me. It's a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. It's a good thing he's saying. My head will not refuse it. I, I want this. I need this. I delight in, in the growth that comes through correction. So here's some, a few more things. Thank the person for their loyalty and their courage. Thank them. So you know what? Thank you so much. I know that was hard to share that with me. Thank you for doing that. Would you chew out a passenger in your car who helped you avoid crashing into a car who is in your blind spot? Man, don't tell me how to drive. I want to hit him, I'll hit him. <laughs> no, what do you say? Oh man, thanks, I didn't see him. I didn't realize I was about to crash. So thank them. Also, ask questions to make sure you understand what they're saying. Ask questions for clarity, not to defend yourself. If you realize that they're right, the best thing you can do is just admit it. Sometimes this is how it is, right? You know it. <laughs> they're correcting something you're aware of and you just say, you know what? Thanks. And, and, and then change. Thank Him and, and ask God to help you change. If you're unsure, good thing you do is just say, you know, I'm going to pray about that. Thank you. I'm going to pray about it. And then I'm going to take it to God and actually do. Consider. As you're praying, ask God, God, 
would you confirm this? This is what they've said. Would you confirm this, or would you, you know, just confirm it? Would you just let me know, God? Will you? Will you? Will you? you no. Know, will you speak to me about this? And He will. God will help you. But you actually need to consider the correction. Your, your response to correction. This is powerful. It reveals the real you. Don't forget this. Your response to correction reveals the real you. It will bring to the surface the real you. It will bubble to the surface about where you really are in life. And so if you're angry, if you're defensive, if you're resentful, that's going to bubble up to the surface in correction. That's why Proverbs 9.8 says, Don't rebuke a mocker or he'll hate you. It's just going to bubble up. So again, will you listen? Will you show appreciation? It will reveal these things. It will reveal, you know, I'm considering. Look at this next verse. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. The way you respond reveals where you really are. I've been corrected in my life many times. And in those moments, I, I, I just do well to humble myself and to listen and to take it to God. About two weeks ago, I, I, I made a promise to one of my children that I didn't keep. And uh, I could... I got busy and and I lost sight of uh, the commitment I made and some time went on and it really started bothering him and I didn't realize I didn't realize it and last week after church I was sitting at home and I could see that something was wrong and I thought man what is wrong what is with this attitude and uh, so I said to my son hey sit down and I was about to lay into him like I'm done with the attitude. I was about to have. I'm done with the attitude talk. You need to change your attitude. And uh, he sits down, and, and I'm about to give him a piece of my mind. And as I began questioning him, he reminded me of the promise that I failed to keep. And uh, immediately, it was like I had no excuse. I had no excuse. I broke my word, and I wasn't faithful to him. And it was really clear. And so all I could do at that point was say, Son, would you, would you forgive me? You're absolutely right. I, I was wrong. And I'll make it right tomorrow. And immediately his countenance changed. You know, here I was about to give the correction and <laughs> it's coming back around to me. And what's interesting is a few hours after that, I received an email from one of my staff members who my son had opened up to him and uh, my staff member was emailing me and just letting me know, hey, I just wanted to clue you in about how your son is feeling about something. And I had a choice again to learn and to grow or to defend myself. And instead, you know, it's like, thanks. I appreciate that. Thanks for cluing me in. And the truth is we all need correction in life whether gentle loving warnings or strong rebukes that keep us from flying over the cliff we need this so I've tried to lay out the guidance from the Bible on how we approach this here and so just ask yourself how am I doing in this area of correction take a moment to think through your your next steps I've left some blanks there for you to consider maybe one or two next steps that you can uh, some actions you can take in response to something that God's shown you this morning I hope this has been helpful again here's the the replays of, of this series so far, Hard uh, Attitudes, or Practice 1, 2, and 3. And then next week, here's what we're looking at. Clear up relationships. This is another key play from our playbook here is we keep our relationships clear. Relationships get, get bent out of shape quite often, and so we aim to keep them clear. And so I hope you'll join us next week. Uh, in a moment, we're going to be receiving the offering. And so a few things I wanted to highlight... 
regarding the offering is uh, I wanted to highlight just the amazing progress that we've seen in our building and expansion preparation phase. You see it noted in the in the bottom of the program. But if you're a guest, back in June, we launched into an aggressive extra giving campaign to save money for the future more visible and permanent space for Orange Crest Community Church. If you look around, you see this is our second service. It's it's uh, nearly full, and so we're adding a third service uh, in a few weeks. And I don't know if we're going to have a building that will we'll, that will have enough to purchase the building or purchase land and build a building. And I don't know if that'll be this year, next year, or many years down the road. But one thing is clear: as we've looked into this, we need to save and prepare for that. And so we people have been many people have given very sacrificially. And so so far we've we set an aggressive goal of of a half million dollars, which was an initial goal from about June 15th to the end of August. So it's about five days from now, and it's an aggressive goal because we needed that to be able to get more serious about our savings towards this. And so we're about at $244,000 right now, which is extremely exciting. And and we could have set a goal that we all knew we could have reached, but we set a God-sized goal that has really stretched us in our faith. And so right now we're at this point where we're we're just going to keep praying and giving and not freaking out. And this is a, a goal that we set so we could be serious about this as a church. I'm not freaking out. In fact, I'm really excited to see the generosity of our congregation. And so thank you for participating. Thank you for praying. Thank you for considering that as a church. And so let, let's pray for our offering. Father, thank you for your great uh, kindness to us and your love. Thank you for this group that you've gathered. We pray your blessing over each one. As we wrestle through this area of correction and, and the, the role of protection that, that this brings to us, would you help us to take it seriously and to think about areas that you want us to evaluate and respond to this morning? We also pray for the, uh, the offering this morning. Would you bless it, God? And, and we thank you for uh, the opportunity that we can give back to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.